Hey guys, welcome to episode number 18 of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Podcast. I am your host, Ben Brown. Today I interview Blake Bowman. Blake is a health and fitness and wellness YouTuber focusing on holistic health and corrective exercise. After overcoming many injuries and health issues himself, Blake now teaches others how to take power into their own hands and do the same. We had a great, great conversation about all things from corrective exercise to medicinal mushrooms to his transition into online coaching. Specifically, Blake is an expert at corrective exercise and his claim to fame is close to 100,000 subscribers on YouTube at his popular YouTube account, which is youtube.com backslash Gorilla Zen Fitness. If you guys are interested in correcting physical dysfunction, if you've got any pain, aches, and ailments that you're curious about how to fix through physical activity and lifestyle management, then you're going to need to get over to Gorilla Zen on YouTube and check it out. Like I said, this guy's a wealth of knowledge and we had a great time uh, on the podcast. If you guys like the information that we're putting out on the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show, then I'd love for you to subscribe to the channel. And if you're getting a lot of value in it, please leave a five-star review. That's the best way that you can support us and the information that we're trying to put out there, again, so that we can make smart nutrition simple and really help more people in the process. With that said, head on over and check out Blake on the Smart Nutrition Made Simple podcast number 18. See you over there. All right, Blake, how you doing, brother? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Dude, thanks for coming on the show. It's really, really great to have you on. What's been happening in your world? What's been happening in my world? Well, I've been spending a lot of time foraging for medicinal mushrooms. So that's, a, that's something that I hadn't really done in the past, but I'm becoming more versed on recently. So you know. you're, you're foraging for medicinal mushrooms. Are you doing that in, are you, I'm assuming then you're no longer in Detroit. You're now in Asheville. <laughs> no, I'm actually in Detroit still. Um, I have to drive about an hour outside of the city limits to get to like a natural area that's free of like pollution and lots of cars and stuff. Um, it's not ideal, but you know, you can still get out there. You just got to commit to a little bit of a drive, you know? And is there a resource that you use to identify what said medicinal mushrooms would be? Yeah. You know, I have a lot of different books like mushrooms of the Midwest is one book that I have. Um, but a lot of the mushrooms that I, you know, forage for don't have any poisonous lookalikes, which is very important because uh, in the mycology world, for every like edible mushroom or medicinal mushroom, lots of times they have all these like poisonous lookalikes, right? Um, but with the ones that I'm like going after, really there's not any poisonous lookalikes for them. So how do you, do you just like go out and you just eat them on the spot or you bring them home and you know, you you roast them or use them in your... Yeah, your... so a lot of them can't be... You can't really eat them um, because they're too, like, fibrous or, like, yeah. hard. Like, turkey tail mushroom, it's like chewing on a sponge. You can't really, like, break it down your uh, mouth. Um, and chaga mushroom, which grows a lot in northern Michigan, it's got, like, the consistency of wood. <laughs> so uh, with a lot of these mushrooms, you make extracts from them, alcohol extracts and hot water extracts. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, okay, isn't chaga like 
do don't these mushrooms grow on like birch bark trees yes like that and chaga is like a supposed to be a really it's like an adaptogen i mean it's good for adrenal function and and stress response and stuff like that is that correct yes that is correct i think that a lot of those come out in the uh alcohol soluble i mean a lot of those constituents that are adaptogenic come out uh from the alcohol extraction which is why you're supposed to dual extract a lot of these things. Like if you just make tea with it, you're only pulling out certain constituents from the mushroom with the hot water and other ones are staying locked in the mushroom because they're only alcohol soluble. So that's you, cool. you want to get the adaptogenic properties of chaga, you extract it with alcohol. If you want to get the immune boosting properties of chaga, then you make a hot tea with it. But the best people will extract alcohol and hot water and then they'll mix them together in like one tincture product yeah 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 i've used um, i've used several products for the chaga and that's good stuff but there's a big company north american urban spice that sort of specializes in in that you know because uh, it's a big there's a lot of it in canada and and uh and and northern obviously northern states okay cool dude that's I will have to talk more about that later. Um, <laughs> walk me into the world of, of kind of holistic coaching and uh, corrective exercise. What, what, what are you currently doing in that world? And, and what's the background sort of what was the impetus to get into, into that type of coaching? Yeah. So basically I, you know, teach corrective exercise people. I teach people how to get rid of muscular imbalances in their bodies help them address certain muscles that are too tight, other muscles that are too weak. And through doing this, you can change your muscular balance, their joint alignment, and a lot of other things. It really helps with improving posture, chronic pain, preventing injury, um, and just improving your body's performance because you're optimally, you know, tuned up and aligned. Um, I got into that space because I was an athlete pretty much my whole life. And, you know, when I graduated high school, I kind of stopped you know, participating in athletics and just focus exclusively on weightlifting. And long story short, I started to, you know, experience injury after injury. I was getting stronger and stronger, but more like beat up and damaged in the process. And by the time I was like 21, I was in chronic pain all the time. My back hurt, my knee hurt, my shoulder hurt. I had shoulder repair surgery on my labrum because um, I tore that lifting weight. And I was basically like, I went from athlete to like not being able to like do anything without pain. Um, and I was laid up for six months uh, after surgery, not being able to work out at all. And, uh, you know, I became horribly depressed because of the contrast in lifestyle between the way I was living before and the way I was forced to live. And basically, I decided that I was going to fix myself because I wasn't getting very much help from the people I was consulting with, surgeons, uh, you know, people like that. Um, so I started studying physical therapy textbooks. I got certified to be a corrective exercise specialist, really started digging deep into physical therapy, even though I'm a personal trainer and that's what my background was. And I use a lot of these techniques on myself and I fix myself. You know, I don't have any chronic pain anymore. Um, and I did all this through a combination of corrective exercise and some regenerative medicine techniques like prolotherapy and PRP. And now I teach other people how to do the same thing pretty much. So you have, you had a gym, you have had a gym uh, in Michigan. Is that correct? So you were doing kind of one-on-one -on -one coaching for a significant amount of time? Yeah. So I became certified to be a personal trainer when I was 19 and uh, I'm 27 now. And basically 
about four years ago, I left the big box gym that I was working at. I started a personal training studio. I was training all my clients in there one-on-one, just me. And then eventually I started getting more trainers in there. And then just recently I sold that business. Um, and now my business is 100% online. So that whole time when I started my uh, studio, I also started a YouTube channel at the same time. And that's been steadily growing the last four years. And now, you know, I'm just under 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. And, you know, I built that following, teaching people the same techniques that I teach my in-person clients and the same techniques that I use them myself. And, uh, yeah, now I just work with people online remotely. That's amazing. Almost 100,000 followers. And you have a phenomenal YouTube channel for those that aren't familiar. Um, what is it? YouTube backslash Gorilla Zen Fitness. And, yeah, exactly. and of course I'll have the, the link in the show notes, but, uh, you guys got to check out his YouTube channel. It's really great quality information. Blake, 19 years old, um, going into personal training, that's pretty young. So aside from the injuries, like what motivated you to kind of just build into this realm of helping other people with their issues? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you know, when I first, started when I first became a personal trainer, I was still kind of a meathead, you know, I was very young as well. And honestly, you know, this is not very inspiring, but I thought I'd be like working with like hot chicks all the time, you know, like <laughs> like girls, like in like sports bras and, uh, you know, I just like wanted to live that life of what I thought a personal trainer, you know, would have. Uh, but that was when I was 19 and basically, you know, I kind of figured out that it wasn't really like that. Most of the people you end up working with as a trainer are, you know, middle-aged women, um, you know, not like 18 year old girls, like what I was thinking. Um, but, uh, you know, my real calling and purpose came later after I had all those injuries. And, uh, you know, then I really decided to hone in on what I was good at, what I could help the world with. And, uh, you know, the rest is history, but yeah, you know, that's why I got into it. I've also been like involved in sports, health and wellness pretty much my whole entire life. My mom, when I was very young, she would like give us supplements, you know, before I was even of the age that I could swallow pills. I remember her opening up like capsules of, I have no idea what they were now, opening up capsules and like mixing it into like applesauce and then like giving that to my sister and I. And like, we always knew when she like messed with it because it like just tasted awful. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what herbs she was putting in there but you know she started my sister and I on like kind of a health journey ever since we were very young that's cool that that's great we do that with our kids yeah uh, and now their <laughs> vitamins are kind of like a tree for them but yeah. so you you had a personal training business congratulations on selling the business now you're all in the online space and focusing on your YouTube page so walk us through what this whole corrective exercise process is like how is corrective exercise different than regular exercise than say weight training or calisthenics and and then within corrective exercise like let's talk about some of the common imbalances that exist for most people that you would tend to see in your practice yeah okay that's a good question so i have like a pretty much a three-step process when i work with people yeah and it, the first step is assess so to identify the imbalances, the different joint mobility problems, flexibility issues that they have going on, correct those things, and then integrate some corrective exercises with a more balanced, you know, program that's more conducive to like weight loss or muscle gain. So it's assess, correct, integrate. 
And um, pretty much the way corrective exercise differs from general exercise is with general fitness, most people have one or two goals, maybe three, you know, but they're either, they're usually around like weight loss or muscle gain or like performance enhancement sure. of their athletes. Um, the goal with corrective exercise is specifically to identify your specific issues and then doing, then do specific exercises to address those. So for example, we want to identify all the tight overactive muscles and we want to stretch and release those things. We want to identify all the weak underactive muscles and we want to strengthen those things and shorten up those muscle fibers a little bit. We also want to find which joints are needing mobility and which joints are needing more stability um, and kind of like address the body that way. So, you know, a lot of people ask me like, what's a full body stretching routine that I can do? I don't necessarily believe in like a full body stretching routine. I believe that everybody has different types of imbalances because we live very dysfunctional lives now physically, you know, we're all sitting. Um, and these imbalances need specific stretches and strengthening exercises. Like if you stretch a muscle that's already weak and too long in the first place, cause you're doing a full body stretching routine, you can make that imbalance worse. Really? Really? You should only be stretching the muscles that are tight and overactive, um, strengthening the muscles that are weak and underactive for a period of time until you're balanced and you don't have any of these issues. And then you can move into that integration phase, you know, where you're working out like a athlete or a normal person again, moving towards your goals of weight loss or muscle gain or whatever your goals, whether, whatever your other goals may be. Um, so does that kind of answer that question? Yeah, it does. And it's a great individualized approach to addressing exercise in general and then being able to take someone and say, as opposed to just implementing this cookie cutter weight loss plan is first, let's back up a sec. Let's take it, you know, let's take a look at what's going on with you individually, uh, identify those imbalances and then work to correct those as we work towards addressing all of the other components that are going to help you with those big picture goals. So that totally answers it. So to give people a better idea within the mobility, stability, um, strength components, uh, and just where the main imbalances tend to lie for people. So let's assume that, right, so the majority of the American population, what are we doing? We're, we're sitting all the time. We're physically inactive. We drive a lot. Um, and so what are the typical imbalances that you see for these types of people, for, for most, you know, what do most, uh, most people represent that, that fall into that category? Yeah, that's a good question. And to kind of backtrack a little bit too, um, before we talk about that, there's a physical therapist that I like a lot named Gray Cook. Mm. Strength on top of dysfunction, right? right? And that's what I was doing for a long time when I was younger. I was getting stronger and stronger. I was deadlifting more and more, but I was getting increasingly more messed up and you know the chronic pain that i had was intensifying as i was getting stronger that's because i was doing exactly what he said not to do i was adding strength on top of this function just because you have these postural issues and these muscle imbalances doesn't these are not things that inhibit you from being strong necessarily um but you know ask any old like power lifter or bodybuilder what their body feels like they can still be strong you know but a lot of these people have chronic issues and aches and pains so yeah that's why you know i do that um, but yeah, that's another great question with regards to what imbalances do I see the most? Because I've really, I've assessed probably a thousand people at this point, including myself. Um, and there are certain underlying trends that I notice in almost everybody, right? Um, and there's about four to five of them. So one really, you know, 
area where people have poor mobility and flexibility is the ankles, right? Their ankles are not capable of dorsiflexing all the way. And that means just being able to pull the heels up towards the shin. And when you lose that, that range of motion in the ankle, it starts to create problems all the way up the entire body, all the way up the kinetic chain. It can predispose the knee to injury. Um, it can cause the feet to turn out, which in turn cause the arches to collapse and the ankles to pronate, which also predisposes your knee to injury and your hip to injury. Um, also, if you're missing that dorsiflexion, you're not able to squat properly, right? Yep. You're missing dorsiflexion in the ankle, the ability to pull the toes up towards the shin because your ankle is stiff. You're going to fall forward a lot when you're squatting, and you're going to find that it's very hard to stay vertical as you should <laughs> when you're doing squats, especially loaded squats. And, you know, that's going to predispose your back to injury. That's just one area. Ankle mobility is, is and and what's a what's probably the biggest contributor to loss of ankle mobility? Let's especially for females. Yeah, uh, the biggest contributor is the fact that most people are in a plantar flex position all the time when they're wearing like high heel shoes. Exactly. Basically, that's the opposite <laughs> of dorsal. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So when your po toes are pointed forward like that, your calf muscles tighten up and the joint capsule in the ankle itself literally like cements itself in that position. And then you literally become rendered incapable of pulling your toes all the way up to the right amount of motion that they, they should have, right? Um, so yeah, but even men too, like dress shoes have like an elevated heel. Even tennis shoes, regular tennis shoes or, or cross trainers, the heel in those things is oftentimes elevated and you're not going to be as, as plantar flex wearing a pair of cross trainers as you would a pair of high heel shoes, but it's still there. Sure. You know? uh, which is why I like, you know, minimalist shoes like, uh, you know, Merrill shoes. They, they uh, partnered with Vibram. So they have the Vibram soles, which are just like flat, but they don't look goofy like their original shoes that they came out with. <laughs> um, I like those shoes. And I also like doing things barefoot when it's, an option because of that because it'll really mess up your ankle mobility if you're in this plantar flex position all the time yeah perfect so okay so walk us up the chain so talked about ankles what's kind of the next area that you tend to see yeah so the next area is, is the hips the hip the, i would just say the lumbo pelvic hip complex not just talking about the lower back and the hips together you know when we're sitting all the time our which we're doing chronically as a society. And, you know, a lot of people tell me they're not, they don't sit, but I'm like, well, what about, you know, your commute to work? What about your commute back to work? What do you do when you're like chilling at home after work? You know, because people only think that sitting counts when they're at work, but they really, when they think about it this way, they realize they're sitting like all the time. When you're sitting all the time, your hips are in a flexed position, which means that the muscles that would normally flex your hips are going to be shortened because you're like putting them into a flexed position already. Your glutes are going to be under a light stretch. And basically, because of the chronic sitting that we have going on, what I see all the time is weakness in the glutes and the posterior chain. So specifically, the glutes and the hamstrings are going to be weak in a, the majority of people. The core is going to be very weak in the majority of people. And then you're going to have the hip flexors and thigh muscles. Those are going to be too tight, and the lower back muscles are going to be too tight as well. This is typically referred to as lower cross syndrome right? When you're tight in the hip flexors and the thighs and also the lower back and you don't have counteracting tension relative strength in the core and the glutes, then you develop this thing called lower cross syndrome. 
<laughs> that basically manifests itself as the pelvis tilting forwards, your belly kind of sticking out and your back having this excessive inwards arch all the time. We call that an anterior pelvic tilt with hyperlordosis of the lumbar spine. But all that means is that you have various, your butt muscles are weak, your core muscles are weak, and that's allowing your pelvis to tilt forward and your back to arch excessively, your lower back. And a lot of times with that, that, that lower back arching is going to produce chronic tension and tissue stress in the lower back. And this is a major player with almost all kind of back pain. It doesn't matter what you have going on in the lumbar spine. You get a herniated disc, bulge disc, uh, you know, SI joint pain. All of these things are typically going to be exacerbated and made worse by the presence of an anterior pelvic tilt, right? So really for that, people like to stretch the hip flexors all the time. I think that's less effective of a strategy as going after the weak muscles is. So strengthening the opposite muscles, the antagonists. So instead of stretching your hip flexors, which are going to be tight, most people need to just focus on strengthening their glutes a lot more, right? Yep. And, uh, you know, really building up power and strength in the glutes. And, you know, squats aren't the best way to do that. You want to do, like, exercises like hip thrusters and any kind of variation of that. Um, but that, that's another huge one right there. The, so we've got the ankles, we've got the hips. Uh, now another area where people typically suffer a lot is the thoracic spine, the upper back. And this is an area that needs to be mobile. The spine itself and the upper back needs to be able to move around, right? It needs to be able to bend to the side, extend and flex, and also rotate. And a lot of people are just stiff in their upper back. The spine itself is stiff. It's immobile. And that is a big problem <laughs> because the body is always seeking homeostasis and balance. And when the upper back becomes stiff and can't move, the body will typically attempt to make up for that lack of mobility there by developing mobility in other areas. Typically the lower back, the lumbar spine is going to develop hypermobility. It's going like, to be too loose and unstable because the upper back is tight. You know, upper back, Thoracic spine restriction is also going to throw off the movement of your shoulders, okay? Um, and the, the cervical spine, the neck, is another one of those areas that is going to become hypermobile if your upper back is stiff all the time, right? So we sit, we don't really rotate and twist a lot from our upper back. Motion is lotion, as Kelly Starrett says. That's how you bring mobility to an area, and that's also how you lose mobility in an area. If you stop moving it, it eventually stiffens up and kind of cements itself in that position, which is why thoracic spine mobility problems are so prevalent in today's society. We're not, we're just, we don't, we kind of sit at a computer, our spine stays in the same position um, and it just kind of cements itself that way. And that can cause, like I said earlier, upper back or uh, shoulder problems, neck problems and lower back issues. Um, so that's another huge one that like almost everybody has. Um, and then, you know, we have forward head posture. This is a, uh, you know, pretty self-explanatory, but uh, basically forward head posture is characterized by your head being pushed forward in front of your center of gravity. And this is almost everybody <laughs> that I've ever assessed has this to a degree. You know, in all the physical therapy literature, what they say is you want the hole in your ear to line up, if you're looking at your body from the side, you want the hole in your ear to line up with the acromion, which is like a bone on the top of your shoulder, right? And most people are way far ahead of that. Their head is pushed out in front of their center of gravity. And, you know, this creates all sorts of different neck problems. Um, you know, 
different neck problems. It'll eventually start to warp the thoracic spine forward along with it and cause something called thoracic kyphosis, which is excessive rounding of the upper back. This is just another huge problem that, you know, a lot of people have. And it's because we're always looking at phones, looking at screens, keyboards, things like that. Our head is always in this forward position, um, you know, and that's just not good. So yeah. those are like major ones. Pec pectoral tightness is another huge mm -hmm. one too. Yeah, so it sounds like everything that we would tend to look at in the mirror tends to get short and tight to some degree, at least for these big joints. And that's compounded on a daily basis by our lifestyle, primarily from sitting and lack of the right types of physical activity. And, and a lot of times, correct me if I'm wrong, but what we tend to see, especially for guys at least, is... We'll, we'll also, we'll have these imbalances in place and then we'll go into the gym and we'll want to strengthen the muscles that we can see in the mirror, which are all the muscles in the front, the pecs, the biceps, oh, yeah. you know, squats and things that could potentially reinforce, if not exacerbate those types of issues. Yeah. When, whereas you're saying that for most people with these issues, the answer rather than than just stretchings, while stretching is important, the answer would be to strengthen everything that we can't see in the mirror, the hamstrings, the butt, the lower back to a degree, that all the muscles that pull the shoulder blades back, right, and uh, pull the head back, and, and that could be a, and so are those, so then what types of exercise, what types of strength exercises, and you don't have to give us like a, a massive display or anything, but what types of exercises do you then prescribe to people to implement? Is it in home exercises, in the gym exercises? What do those routines typically look like? A lot of them, when I'm first starting them off, they're just at-home exercises. You're doing a lot of self-myofascial release with like a foam roller. Um, what does that mean? It means using – it's like self-massage, self-myofascial okay. release. Um, so, you know, you're using a tool like a foam roller or even a lacrosse ball to massage a muscle to get it to loosen up, right? That shuts down the neurological drive to the, to the muscle and tells it to like calm down a little bit. So it doesn't have to be so spastic and contracted and tight all the time. We'll use a lot of tools like that. Um, we'll use a lot of body weight strengthening, body weight stretching um, in the initial phases until they're ready to go into the gym and do you know, more integrated training with, uh, you know, weights and different kinds of machines. You just really don't need that a lot when you're, when you're starting corrective exercises to address the specific imbalances that you have. Cause a lot of times the muscles that we're targeting with strengthening exercises, they're, they're weak, which is why I'm having my clients strengthen them with exercise. So they don't need to, they don't need a lot of equipment or weight to overload that muscle just by simply activating that muscle that's never been turned on in you know, 10 years that's enough of a stimulus to make that muscle sore, break it down and start it to get stronger without the need of like weights, you know, eventually you'll progress into that and need to use weights, uh, especially if you're trying to like put on muscle, but in the initial stages, this is really not necessary. Um, and there are, you know, I think anybody listening to this would get benefit from this. There are a couple, you know, strengthening exercises and stretching exercises that pretty much benefit anybody in the general population of the world. Um, and one of those is hip thrusters. You just lay in your back. Um, you know, most people have seen this or done it in a group fitness class, laying on your back, bringing your heels kind of close to your butt, pushing your hips up in the air and squeezing your glutes really hard. 
Um, doing that while maintaining a posterior tilt in the pelvis, making sure it's not tilting forward, your back's not arching severely, that will help uh, just the vast majority of people out there that have to sit a lot. Um, you know, stretching the pecs is a good one, releasing those. Those muscles get really, really tight, pull the shoulders forward and internally rotate them. Um, and then like a really simple exercise for the upper back to really pull the shoulders together is called a wall press. That just, you just sit against the wall, make sure that your butt stays in contact with the wall, your upper back's in contact with the wall. Then you bring your arms up like you're going to do a shoulder press and you slide them up the wall, trying to maintain contact with your whole arm and all those points on your spine. It's actually very hard to do that, but that is a great integrated corrective exercise that will kind of stretch the pecs. It'll mobilize the, the joint capsule of the shoulder and strengthen the upper back muscles all at the same time. If you do that while keeping your chin tucked and pushing the head back into the wall, that also helps to address forward head posture all simultaneously. Um, that's something that I actually, you know, have on my web, uh, my YouTube channel. I show this variations of these exercises a lot. Um, but that's something that would also benefit the vast majority of the population. Yeah, that's perfect. So I was just going to say, I guarantee you have, ex you have videos of these exercises. So I'll make sure that those are included for everyone in the show notes for you to access those. Um, and so that's really helpful. And, and you know what I really like um, that stood out to me? What I really like is you're minimizing the barrier to entry in terms of a lot of people simply aren't, don't have gym access or are afraid of going to the gym for whatever, you know, numerous different reasons, which is totally understandable. And so keeping the barrier, barrier to entry very low in terms of this is stuff that you can do in your own home. It doesn't take a significant amount of time. And, and what we know certainly, and from what I know from, from 15 years of working with clients is that just the exercises that you just described are significant enough to get someone feeling better in a, you know, right away. It's something that you can notice the difference from right away. Is it going to drop, you know, tons of body fat? No, it's not. But if you were in a, if you were in pain um, or you're out of function, then it's things that are going to help improve that, reduce the pain very significantly in a short amount of time, depending on what you have going on. So I, I can appreciate that for sure. Yeah. It'll set you up so that you can get into those exercises that help you lose fat or, you know, put on muscle, you know, pain free in a, in a more functional way. It's kind of like a, precursory thing that you want to do before you do those other types of exercises to make sure that you're not going to hurt yourself and add strength on top of dysfunction during those other exercises. Yeah, for sure. So, so for those people that have imbalances, for most people that have these imbalances that we talked about existing, what are some of the recommendations that you would give from a lifestyle standpoint? Because obviously we don't want them doing, you know, it's great that they they're doing the exercises to reduce the pain and stiffness and stuff like that. But if they're further reinforcing it on a day-to-day -day basis from a lifestyle standpoint, then we're just spinning yeah. our wheels. So what are some of the guidelines, just the common ones that you would talk to your clients about implementing and changing their, their daily lifestyle habits? Great question. One is trying to adopt a standing desk, mm -hmm. right? Um, sitting is really, you know, I don't, it's hard for me to relate to the rest of the world because I don't have a corporate job, but a lot of people have to sit down, you know, for like eight hours a day, maybe longer. They have to, right? Um, because they're working at a computer and that's part of their job. You know, there's a lot of like evidence out there that, you know, and there are actually like peer reviewed studies on the advantages of a standing desk and the drawbacks of like sitting. 
you know, basically a lot of you would benefit from having a standing desk setup instead of a sitting desk setup. Uh, the desk that I have has hydraulics and it's adjustable. So if I want to sit occasionally, I can, but for the most part, for most of the time, I can keep it at a position where I feel comfortable standing at it. A standing desk setup is really good, right? You want to be standing the right way though, too. Like <laughs> a lot of times if you go from sitting from like 20 years and then you just start standing, your issues are not going to go away overnight. I have videos actually on my YouTube channel about how to stand properly and how to sit properly. So if you can't get that, if you can't like talk to your boss about getting a stand up desk set up, a standing desk set up for the rest of your colleagues and yourself, um, if that just is not working, then you at least want to modify your sitting position so that that is optimal and not contributing to imbalances as much as it could be. Um, and I have videos on that too. It's kind of complicated to get into on here, but I have a video on how to stand properly and how to, how to sit properly. So trying to avoid sitting altogether, if you can, while you're at work with a standing desk setup is optimal. If that's not a possibility, then, uh, you know, basically modifying the way that you sit is, is very important too. Um, sleeping position is huge too, okay? So like, just like how your hip flexors can become tight when you're sitting, um, the way that that happens is that's called tissue adaptation. Your muscles in your body just adjust to the length that you put them in on a regular basis and you hold, right? So your hip flexors become tight when you're sitting because your hips are flexed all the time. Now, if you sleep in some messed up position with your, on your face, with your head turned to the side, with your right leg pulled up next to your right elbow, you know, all of these things create muscle imbalances and they'll change the length and tension of certain muscles in your body. And this is actually like a huge, you know, thing when it comes to muscular imbalance, postural distortion and chronic pain. People are sitting in or sleeping in these weird positions that, really are exacerbating their issues, um, especially neck and shoulder issues and hip issues too, and back issues, right? So the best <laughs> is, is, uh, is on your back, really. Um, you know, and there's a lot of differing, like some people will say it's not good to sleep on your back because of different things it does to your like organs. Um, but from a biomechanical standpoint, just in terms of your joints and your, you know, your muscular system, Sleeping on the back is your best bet. If that hurts your back, it might be because you have an anterior pelvic tilt, really tight psoas. You could put a pillow underneath your knees. That will neutralize the lower back a little bit. But I always recommend my clients sleep on their back um, with a small pillow, not a big pillow that's going to push their head forward and exacerbate their forward head posture when they're sleeping at night. Um, and another thing that they can do is actually take their mouth shut. This is actually kind of a weird sounding thing, <laughs> but uh, basically a lot of people breathe through their mouth when they're sleeping at night, right? It's like not under their voluntary control, they're asleep. Breathing through your mouth is associated with forward head posture. It causes uh, tightness to develop in the sternocleidomastoid muscle, which is this muscle on the side of your neck which pulls your head forward. Basically, if you're breathing through your mouth all night long, not only are you oxidizing your cells in your body faster and kind of aging yourself faster, um, but you're also causing these imbalances in the neck that predispose you to waking up with forward head posture. So taping the mouth shut kind of forces you to breathe through your nose at night. Um, and you know, there's a lot of benefits associated with that. Um, you're going to slow down the oxidation rate of your body. And primarily with regards to a postural perspective, you're going to stop the formation of those some of the formation, some of the causative factors behind the formation of the muscle imbalances that cause forward head posture. So yeah, that's, those are some things. Standing desk setup, modification of sitting position, 
sleeping on your back. And then like the last thing that I could probably say is like, try to hold any like handheld devices and also position any screens at a level that's at the same height as your eyes, right? So when you're like looking at a phone, instead of like holding it down by your hips and looking down at it, hold it out in front of your face um, so that it's level with your eyes. That way you're not gonna be encouraged to push your head forward, look down and reinforce the um, you know, forward head posture position. So that's what pulls us forward. That's, what's, that's one of the biggest underlying culprits behind the development of forward head posture is we have all these things that encourage us to push our head forwards and look down. So if we change the position of those things, it can change you know, our tendency to push ahead forward and look down at things. Yeah, those are, those are great tips. I appreciate that. And I imagine, you know, I mean, this is stuff, we do so many things on a daily basis that contribute to these imbalances. So we really need to make it part of our lifestyle to unwind and unravel those, those habits uh, like what you just talked about. Yeah, I really like how you asked that too, because a lot of people just want to, like corrective exercise by its very nature is just treating symptoms pretty much, right? The, the muscle imbalances are symptoms of lifestyle causes mm -hmm. of factors. So if you really want to get to the bottom of it, you have to address those, all these things that we just talked about um, in conjunction with doing the corrective exercises. And if you had to like say which one was more important, it'd probably be these lifestyle things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, and, and we're going to wrap it up in a sec here, but I guess something I've been thinking about then as, as we go through this process, we go through the corrective exercise pro process, and then you start to focus on strength training. What is your approach to strength training? You know, are you, are you pro weight training? Um, are you pro more body weight, mobility type stuff? What, what's kind of your philosophy regarding that? So that's kind of con contingent on the goals of the person, obviously. Um, but if we're going to be kind of confining the scope of that question to strength training, then yeah, I think that uh, weights are definitely, we, I'll, def I'll definitely use weights. Um, basically, after I've done the assessment for a lot of people, we've had them do corrective exercises for a certain period of time. Now they're ready for that third phase integration. And that's where these kind of things come in. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll have people do compound strength training exercises with weights, like, you know, compound movement patterns, movement patterns that utilize multiple joints and muscle groups at one point in time, pushing, pulling, squatting, pressing. Um, these are all like the major compound movement patterns, but I'll start them with these, with these in a unilateral way. So we won't, and that means I'll have them do exercises that work just one side of the body as opposed to both sides of the body at the same time. One unilateral, one bilateral. So a bilateral exercise for the legs would be a traditional squat, right? Um, a unilateral exercise for the legs would be a Bulgarian squat. A bilateral exercise for the posterior chain would be a deadlift where you're holding a bar and you're coming up with two legs. Um, a, a unilateral exercise would be a single leg deadlift. Mm -hmm. When I have people come into their strength training after um, their more intense corrective exercise programming, they start with about a month of these unilateral exercises. And then we integrate more bilateral exercises but with still a good mix of these unilateral exercises spliced in there because unilateral exercises working one side of the body at a time is a really good way to just kind of keep promoting muscular balance across all the major joints 
it's very easy for you to become more dominant on one side than the other. And that will express itself when you're doing bilateral exercises, right? Like a lot of people have the experience of like one leg working harder when they're doing squats or, you know, the next day their right butt cheek will be more sore than their left, even though they were just doing squats that supposedly work both sides. Um, that's where unilateral exercises come in. So when you're starting to strength train after coming back to it, maybe from a lot of injuries and muscular imbalance, that's a good way to ease yourself into it. And then once you're feeling really good and really, you know, optimal and balanced, then you can start including those bilateral exercises again, because you can't really lift super heavy when you're doing unilateral exercises. So if your goal is like really to put on muscle, you have to progressively overload the muscle strength all the time by adding more and more weight. And, you know, it's just really hard to like, you know, do a Bulgarian single leg squat with like 400 pounds, <laughs> you know? So at a certain point you start, you know, integrating those bilateral exercises, but it starts with first finding out what you have going on, doing a lot of specific corrective exercise to address that. And then integrating normal quote unquote workouts into your plan again, but making sure to focus on a lot of unilateral stuff. And then those are the kind of like the three things that will kind of lead you back into like just general strength training at that point in time, which should really just focus on those compound movement patterns, right? Any like balanced mm -hmm. strength training routine is going to have pushing motion, pulling motion, some sort of overhead pressing motion, and like a squat movement pattern, uh, you know, plugged into it. I like it. I like it. You know, it seems like a great way to balance out any strength discrepancies that may naturally just exist within the person and then also for people that may not have previous experience with much weight training it's a great way to activate nervous system and uh, and drive more neural function and, and get them stronger in a short period of time through that uh, through that you know single leg single arm exercise so that's cool talk to us about what what you know where are you where do you see your business going where do the next steps for you and your evolution since you just sold your gym you're primarily online you had a you know we had, had a conversation about you getting more into kind of uh, the nutrition wellness biohacking space what's that look like yeah so <laughs> you know i've been talking about uh this kind of stuff and teaching it for like six years now and still like a passion of mine, but I have a lot of other knowledge uh, that I just really haven't shared with people in the scope of nutrition, holistic health, uh, like even herbalism using different types of mushrooms, kind of like the stuff we were talking about here today. So I'm starting to roll out content around that kind of stuff a little bit more. Um, and I also want to have more in-person experience with my clients and with the people that want to learn from me. Um, which is something that I kind of gave up when I sold my studio and, you know, now I miss it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I want to, uh, start doing events and retreats where we kind of integrate a lot of the things that I know. And I'll also be bringing in experts that have knowledge that synergizes with my own. But like, for example, I'm planning my first retreat right now, which is going to be, you know, centered around rewilding biohacking and holistic health and posture postural correction muscular balance is going to be one of the things that we talk about and i help the people that attend the retreat the retreat optimize but we're going to be teaching all sorts of other things too to further optimize their health and wellness things revolving around you know nutrition um you know different spiritual beliefs or ideologies um grounding foraging for herbs, all, all sorts of stuff like that, man. I really just try to use my uh, 
or I'm trying to use my intuition now to lead me into the future instead of just being really concerned with, uh, you know, what people want to learn. Cause for a while there, I was struggling with a lot of fear with regards to talking about these things because the hundred thousand people that follow me on YouTube, they, they're following me because they like this content that I've made for the last four years, which is exclusively about corrective exercise. And like I said, I'm still passionate about that. Um, but I've made like 300 videos on that, but, everything all over the body. So it's like at this point in time, I just want to start adding more to the mix. And I was a little worried about how they, how receptive people would be of the new kind of content that I'm making. But you know, it seems to be well received so far. So I'm just going to keep doing that. I'm going to keep talking about corrective exercise, but you know, not as intensely as I have been in the past. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that stuff from you. I think it's going to be very well received and, uh, it, it's probably pretty exciting for you to start to delve into that world and uh, seeing as it's something you've been studying for so long, but giving, you know, really giving you the freedom to start to express yourself through that realm now is, is exciting to see. Uh, Blake, it's been awesome. Uh, where can everyone find more about you? Best place is probably YouTube. Um, you know, you could go to my website, but if you want to like learn some of these exercises that we've been talking about today and see the, kind of content that I put out every week on YouTube, then YouTube is a spot for that. So uh, if you just type in Gorilla Zen Fitness in the YouTube search bar, you'll be able to find me on there. Um, it's spelled like a gorilla fighter. So it's G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A-Z-E-N and then fitness. You can butcher the spelling of that and still find me, but that's how you'll know it's me. It's not spelled like the gorilla. It's spelled like gorilla fighter. But yeah, YouTube is the best spot for that. Like I said, guys, go check out Blake at Gorillas and Fitness on YouTube. He's got hundreds of videos, almost 100,000 followers, and the dude knows his stuff, obviously evidence from this great conversation that we just had. Hey, man, thank you. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. You're, you're definitely a wealth of knowledge and, and just a great dude, and I'm looking forward to getting to know you better. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, really appreciate you having me, having me on here, man. You asked like some really awesome questions really get to like the root of what I try to teach people on YouTube. So you're a great interviewer, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate that brother. Take care. We'll talk soon. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the smart nutrition made simple podcast. If you did, then go ahead and like and subscribe below. And if you're listening on iTunes, then make sure you subscribe to our channel. And if you love the content that we're putting out there, then leave us a five-star review. It's really the best way that you can support us in our mission to get the best quality strength, nutrition, fitness, and supplement information out there so that we can help more people. We appreciate you. Please continue to listen. And again, like, subscribe, and share this with your friends. Thank you so much. We appreciate you and your time and catch you on the other side.